Howdy, folks. Thanks for tuning in to the first episode of GNN. You like that one? The Gifted News Network, where we are going to dissect news. It's in the uh, the common media, specifically on social media. We're going to dissect the hot takes from a very sports science-focused point of view. So what we are tackling today, what we're starting with is going to be the story, the hype, the hubbub around American sprinter Shikari Richardson and her recent ban um, for testing positive for marijuana. So we're not going to get into, you know, any debate upon whether, you know, smoking the jazz cabbage is is the right decision, the wrong decision. We're not going to draw a line there. Um, we're going to take more of a our opinion on the topic as a whole, as well as if there are any added benefits to smoking weed in general. Is it actually a performance enhancer or is this an outdated rule that needs to be um, shown the door? Um, Jay, do you want to bring us up to speed on this story in in general? What kind of happened here? Who she is, the timeline, what really went down? I know you're uh, clued in on the story. Is it because he's brown? And yes, it has- it's mostly that. Yeah. So okay. Shikari yeah. Richardson is actually his sister. <laughs> yeah, we actually get like it's a brown person newsletter that we get once a month. Um, so it has all the every all the news within the community, and we also get you know coupons for fried chicken. Um, we get you know they let us know where we can get an auto loan with poor credit. Um, so it's just a it's a revolving newsletter. We get a lot of information. Um, Monthly, so that's basically how it's. Doesn't actually exist. (laughs) It does though. (laughs) So, uh, so Shikari Richardson uh, is a sprinter from, I believe, she went to LSU. Um, She's pretty young. I think she's like twenty or twenty-one years old, Um, and. She was basically smoking everybody. Well, that's probably the wrong <laughs> term to use there. But uh, she was very prominent, very promising runner. Um, the good thing is that she's young. But uh, she, I guess, had a very poor relationship with her mother. Um, her birth mother, she was raised, I believe, by her grandparents. Um, and her birth mother recently passed away. Um, and apparently to cope with that, she got into... <clears throat> into some of the the headbanger boogie if you will um and so she failed a drug test uh for one of the u.s qualifiers i believe it was like a month out um because you know they they <laughs> the, the, the funny thing about uh track and field and most olympic sports in general it's almost like they're like go ahead and compete and then we'll tell you whether or not you failed the drug test after the fact and then we'll strip you of all your qualifications and your medals it's an interesting way to go about it but that's basically what happened was uh, she used uh, some of the jazz cabbage to cope with the death of her mother, allegedly, um, failed a drug test after she had qualified. And then uh, the I believe the U.S. Olympic Committee then stripped her of her qualification for 30 days, um, which would have allowed her. She would have missed just the, <clears throat> the 100 meter, meter sprint. But she could. The weird thing is that she could have still competed in the four by 100 relay. And then recently. They told her that she couldn't even compete in that. And I'm not positive, but I think it, she may have failed a drug test 
passed her, she might have failed two drug tests. And then they were like, okay, like we can only do but so much here. So I think that's a lot of the story. And people are kind of up in arms because they, you know, whatever everybody's opinions are on marijuana or cannabis, um, you know, whether or not it's it should be legal or not, it's neither here nor there, but she basically failed some drug tests and now she can't compete. Um, but again, she's young. So that's basically the story. Yeah. So, so and that was so, an interesting so one in terms of the, at all or she can. No, she can no longer compete at all. That's that's the oh, weird thing is that some. No, 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 no. just this. Olympics. Just for this. Oh, OK. Olympics. OK. I was like, yeah. damn. Yeah. So, so, yeah, she's banned for life. It was very interesting, like you said, Jay, that she so the phrasing from USA Track and Field was that she was not selected for the four by 100 meter. So it's like it's there's something there has to be something else going on there. Like you said, Jay, where maybe she failed another drug test. Maybe they don't feel like dealing with the PR backlash of putting her on the team because she has established herself as the fastest 100 meter runner in the United States on the women's side right now. So the fact that she wouldn't be selected for that four by 100 meter, it's like Jamaica just saying, you know what, like you saying, like, oh, we're just going to leave you off the four by 100. There's there's somebody out here who we think would do a better job. So it is very confusing that they would leave her leave her off of that. Yeah, and I don't know if, I mean, that's the weird thing and how they worded it, like you said, that she didn't get selected. So I don't know if it, it it's almost like the PR back. Who are you selected? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we would like the slower uh, lady. Yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'd like her to run this one instead of you. So I don't know exactly what it is. And she hasn't lost any sponsorship. So Nike is just like, no, we ride with her regardless, which is, an, I guess it's not an interesting stance, but it's almost as if there's more of a backlash now because she can't compete at all. Um, and there was where she at least would be able to compete in one of the two events. So it's just, it's a weird situation. Um, real quick. Um, like she's been pretty chill about it though. Right. I feel like that's everything I've seen. She's just like, yeah, whatever, man. Failed the drug test. Can't compete this time. Catch you guys later. Like she's pretty chill about the whole thing. Right. Or has she like been pretty, uh, I don't know, outspoken about it. I, I've seen her be pretty, uh, pretty accepting of it you know a lot of like i think some some tweets that went viral from her were like i'm human like i can only do so much you know like i was grieving in a way that was unacceptable like i knew i was going to get drug tested and i knew this was banned but like i did it anyway and it was a poor judgment it's like very rare maturity from a 21 year old when something like this happens because you know most other individuals and you've seen this in like the tweets from other people other athletes surrounding this you've got like Odell Beckham Jr. being like, this is bullshit. Like athletes being like, all right, burn down the IOC headquarters. <laughs> and she's like, you know what? Like, it's whatever. Like, I, I failed a drug happened. test. I'm I'm young. I'm still the realist in the game. I'm a, I I was very impressed by it. But you know why? Because she actually pissed hot for T ball and amphetamines. And she's just like, you know what? It's cool. I'll take it. I'll take the marijuana thing. We're cool, dude. Next time. <laughs> That's what it was. You think it was a diversion tactic? No, I have no idea, dude. Who knows? Yeah, you're right. A lot of people are, are pretty going off about it. Like, other people yeah. that are her back are really, like, speaking out about it. Speaking Dominique out. Dawes, yeah, uh, it was, Jen like, Kessler. more 
Balance that's why she's so cool, dude. It's like when when you do something fucked up as a kid, and you're like, everybody, shut the fuck up, because you don't want everybody to know how bad you really <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> shut up, man. He did. He, he, he did. He even said something. Oh, he, they need to let her in. Did he say? What? What did Puff say? Uh, it's effed up, and my heart is broken for at and then her Twitter having her long life dream stripped away for using a legal substance. Then he said, I'm tired of white people sitting in a room <laughs> making up decisions that affect our problems and dreams. God <laughs> damn it. Uh, <laughs> all right. So as as the I resident mean, brown person. probably most of the board of directors and the operating members of the IOC are probably of the uh, white ethnicity. So Puff, you're not technically wrong there. But so from what I've seen in terms of people in the comments section on ESPN, SportsCenter, all of that, this is a this is a, a topic that has polarized people down the middle. It's either like, you know, this is complete horseshit, like this rule shouldn't exist, or there's the opposite side of that, which would be like, it's a rule. She knew it was a rule. She broke the rule. She knew she was going to get tested. Like, shame on her for, for doing something like this. Where, where do you guys kind of side in that argument there? Um, I don't, I don't think she should have been punished for it. I am a uh, drug addict. I like, An I don't, enabler. I just don't like that fucking mindset of like, well, it's a fucking rule. She knew it was a rule. Like we don't get smarter. Like we just fucking, we can't use our brains and like figure out whether something like that was made forever ago was just a dumbass fucking rule, you know? I don't know, man. I feel yeah. like we're smarter than that. It's, we should be, it's a, right? I mean, have you have they ever watched the documentary uh, Icarus? Like, people get away with using actual PEDs all the time. And she tested hot for weed. <laughs> it's tough because it's, I mean, uh, I go back and forth about it because it's like, yeah, it is a rule. Um, but the tough thing is that Interestingly enough, the first thing that kind of got brought up was that Michael Phelps got away with it. If you're not watching on YouTube, I'm using air quotes, Hunt Round got away with it. Uh, also, Ryan Lochte supposedly got away with it, air quotes again. But what nobody realized is that neither one of them got away with it. Uh, I think Phelps got six months. I think Lochte got a year of suspension. The only difference was neither one of them were in an Olympic year. So that was the difference. They couldn't compete, but they weren't in Olympic year. So there's a part of me, it's kind of like, if, if this is your life dream, and this is the thing that you want to do, there may come a point, regardless of whether or not the, you know, the policy itself is dated. I think most people would agree with that, that it is, there's no performance enhancing, ben oh, correction. There, there are possibly some performance enhancing uh, benefits to using cannabis, but probably not enough to make you run faster um, at the end of the day. It's not like that's the thing that allows her to beat everybody. Um, so there's that. But there is that line where it's like, this is the rule. This is the way things are. Um, if that were, I don't know about you guys, but if that were my life dream, I might go, you know what, maybe I got to lay off for a little bit. Um, and the thing that's not spoken about is that the Olympic Committee did take into account that she was coping for the from the death of her mother and that's why they only gave her 30 days as opposed to six months or a year 
the fucked up part about it is that it just happens to be an Olympic gear. So she kind of gets screwed out of that. So it's just, it's a tough thing either way. Do you think that this rule is going to survive this media outburst? Because we, so like within the United States, we kind of have somewhat of like a, of a bias around this issue. It might be easy to be like, oh, like this will for sure be the death of this rule. But we have to consider that the IOC governs the world like they govern every single country so if this rule you know got it gets a lot of publicity in the united states that doesn't mean that it gets the same amount of publicity worldwide and the ioc has to consider all of that so dom you're saying you know do you think this rule will continue to exist why do you say that because marijuana is still illegal in a lot of places it's not even federally legal here so, like, just because, like, she, I, I don't even know where she lives. Where is she from? Louisiana. Uh, compete. Yeah, Louisiana, probably, if she's at LSU. Like, I don't, I'm not sure if recreational use is, like, legal there. Like, it's legal here in Michigan, recreational use of marijuana. But just because the person lives in Michigan, they're competing in Tokyo. Like, marijuana is not legal in Tokyo. I don't think this rule will ever go away because it's not like a worldwide legal substance it's illegal in different parts of the world still even different states marijuana not yet legal in louisiana for recreational use with a prescription you can partake is what i got so yeah so it is still illegal in her state and like you said still federally illegal uh jay and paul i'm curious if to hear if you guys think this rule will continue to exist by, say, the next quad. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I mean, probably because, like, nobody's going to sit down at a big-ass fucking table with the other white dudes and be like, yeah, it's a stupid fucking rule. Like... <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think Dom's on a... That's a very good point. And uh, it's, you know, the rest of the world isn't, I don't want to say they're as open to certain things as we are in America, but the, you know, those laws are definitely not universal for the rest of the world. So, I mean, it's almost like if you, if you open up that door, it's some, you almost have to open up a bunch of other doors. Who knows what's going on in like Kazakhstan? Like, what do they get down on? Who knows? They might be angel dust people. I don't know. So now they might say like, oh, angel dust is now, you know, it's, 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 I don't know. What do they do on Kazakhstan? You make a good point. Cause like, go, go to, um, you can go to like Portland, like a lot of drugs are no longer, are all decriminalized there. Yeah. Like you can't get in trouble for doing cocaine there, like, or having it on your person. Like it's a decriminalized, it comes down, it doesn't even, it doesn't even register as a misdemeanor at certain amounts anymore. So like to say that, like, we, we don't have no idea what other countries, other states are fine with and whatnot. Dude, in Dubai, you go to prison for like five years if you get caught with any marijuana. <laughs> like yeah. that's why it's so different. That. So I guess like that's the big, would be the big controversy, right? Is that even though, like, yeah, getting high right before a race or something <laughs> probably wouldn't make you faster. Uh, but there are certain advantages, you know, like if somebody if one country or, you know, team or whatever 
has uh, access to marijuana, they could be getting better sleep. They, you know, their appetite benefits, anti-anxiety benefits for some people, increases anxiety in others. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, those are all, I guess, big advantages that, you know, people from other countries may not have. And what you said there is important. So it's like smoking weed before the race. I think there's a good bit of research on this that shows that being high does not improve athletic performance, whether that's time to exhaustion, maximum power output, strength, just performance across the entire spectrum. I believe that there is some research. I think it comes from like the 70s and 80s on marijuana. It's some pretty funny research because it's like these people are smoking like two grams of weed which by today's standards is like enough to actually like, it's like a lethal amount of marijuana. Like you might actually murder someone with that amount. And, and the studies indicate that they smoked it out of like wooden pipes. And then they threw these people on like bikes and made them cycle to exhaustion. And it's like, this had to have been the funniest research in the world to conduct. But I think that research does exist. That performance <laughs> is not improved by getting high right before. I think maybe some considerations for that, though, is I, I would assume that these weren't like chronic smokers, you know, and like, you know, there are some sports or maybe, it, uh, yeah, some some sports or activities, but probably some people uh, as well, like an individual thing where like some people may perform better with like less anxiety, you know, like, you know, for Possibly, instance, yeah. alcohol is a performance enhancing drug in uh, target shooting because it relaxes you, whereas like caffeine actually isn't. You get a little shaky, your anxiety's higher, your heart's beating faster. So like, um, yeah, uh, I mean, maybe for some people or some circumstances, you know, like, um, yeah, it, it could be performance enhancing, but, but yeah, yeah. not from yeah. a direct like increases yeah. power output, yeah. I didn't. I didn't consider the individual differences there. I, I've seen the. I haven't seen the alcohol in target shooting. I have seen the alcohol research in like darts, like the people, like the research around darts where people get drunk before they play darts because I guess it's like a big part of that like competitive dart culture. Is that? I can't believe I just fucking said that competitive <laughs> dart culture, <laughs> and they're like getting <laughs> fucked up beforehand. But yeah. I mean, it's similar to kind of how like beta two blockers are at work, right? Like they reduce the anxiety, keep heart rate down, less shakes, all of that. And those are those are banned. Yeah. Um, I had another point there, but yeah, no, you made another good point when you said like you know certain countries may not have access to marijuana and may not be able to reap those recovery benefits that have theorized. I think it's a it's gonna it's gonna move slow, right? Because one, it has to be decriminalized to be able to do widespread research on it. And then we have to wait for enough research to be done to show if it actually does help with recovery on any measurable scale and see if that recovery downstream helps performance. So yeah, I think I was a little, maybe I was a little short-sighted when I said, you know what, they're gonna ditch this rule, I bet. But you know what? There's actually, and part of the reason why, and this is a weird one, and I don't know the science behind it, but they say that marijuana could mask other drugs. So that's the weird one. And I don't know, and I believe it's in that ridiculous USADA drug policy document, is that it can be used to, I don't know what you're trying to mask. I have no idea what marijuana could or it could possibly mask, but I think that's part of it is that it can supposedly, allegedly mask other drugs. Yeah, we need like I don't know a, if you guys know anything. 
biochem expert. I mean, I know like uh, we need Hector. I know that's part of like there was a girl uh, in CrossFit who got a. I can't remember how long the suspension was, but there was a suspension um, for uh, using an IV bag. And like a lot of people, you know, she didn't get heavy criticism because a lot of people are like, oh, you know, that's just for, um, you know, if you have to cut weight or whatever. And it's like, hey, guys, there's no cutting weight in what she does. She She's a team's CrossFit athlete that was done at, to, that was used as a masking agent to dilute her sample. Like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, and it could maybe that's something that could have been happened here, and why they had to take it into account if if marijuana can uh, be used as a masking agent. Now, something that Jason said that I wanted to circle back to and get anyone else's opinion on. Jason mentioned that Shikari is young; she's twenty one years old. It's it's highly likely that if she doesn't get injured within the next you know four years of training, that we'll see her again in the next quad of the summer Olympics, which would be what? 2024. Yeah. 2024. Um, but the assumption that she's not going to get injured, something else doesn't come up in her life is, is actually a, a pretty big one there, right? Like, you know, a lot of things could happen that could offset or derail her athletic career. So I think it, I think it is really a shame to see someone lose their chance at the Olympics and not have that guarantee of being there again in four years. What do you guys think of, of that? No, I agree. I think, uh, I think, I don't know. I, I, I kind of am bothered that she's not going to get the chance to compete, but life is life, man. It ain't fair. Dom rules or rules. Kuza. She's out of here. <laughs> I was just reading this and it says uh, <clears throat> WADA actually raised the threshold. So it used to be 15 nanograms per milliliter. Now they've raised it to 150. So they're trying to make some adjustments so people could maybe enjoy a little bit from time to time and not pop being positive. So that's a little weird that they're making adjustments for it. But then may I don't know. Did she like party right before the test? Like how did this whole thing go? Yeah, I don't know so if weird. that's a dose. I don't know if that's a dose or a proximity to testing thing. Yeah. A little like bit. If, she had, if she had just like smoked one blunt instead of four blunts, she would have been all right. I I don't know if that's the issue. <laughs> I don't know. I know like like if you're not a chronic user, um you can actually smoke a little bit like a couple weeks before a drug test and, and still pass it. But that's where you get that accumulation from habitual smoking for days and weeks on end. All right. Well, Shikari, if you're watching this and I'm sure you are, you know, you're probably an avid fan of the gifted performance podcast. We, we see you out there, stay healthy, keep training hard, get even faster and show them what a real hundred meter time looks like next time around. Because there's a chance that, you know, she's just hitting that athletic cusp and she, she gets even faster as she goes. Yeah, dude, but you're right. That's a huge assumption, dude. Like, what what if she got in a car accident, like lost her leg? You know, like, hopefully that doesn't happen. Yeah, so but that, that, that white table doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. There's, I, yeah. there's, there's, there's another there's Shikari in 10 years. <laughs> there might be. There might be. Who knows? She could have been the next Usain Bolt out there. 
All right. Our next little topic was something that was brought to our attention by our very own Dom Kuza. And it brought up a more it was so it was an it was a select incident, a select post um, from a certain individual that kind of sparked a discussion between the four of us about something about something greater. I'm going to let Dom kind of set the stage here on what he wants to divulge and what he wants to hold back, but we'll kind of let him frame the whole situation here. Uh, so it was the topic that I've been having conversations with, like with you guys and with some of my other friends, and then even some IFBB pros that people know pretty well that I'm friends with have really came to light about people not realizing how there is life outside of competition, like contest prep and stuff, and how people spend their every waking moment like living for that plastic $5 trophy and are willing to like do really stupid things to get there. Um, and I've seen it a bunch. I'm sure you guys have seen it a bunch too. And uh, I think like one thing that like, I try to tell all my younger clients, like, get your finances straight, get your career set up, get things that are important set up, then worry about competing and bodybuilding and all that. So that when, because it's going to stop, you have something that's worth everything at the end of your bodybuilding. Because I think a lot of these younger kids now are so invested on being YouTube famous on being reposted on Instagram pages that they don't even spend the time working or, you know, working towards a career or anything. And they're going to be left with nothing because they're one injury away from all of that stopping. One stupid pec tear, one bad bicep tear is just waiting to happen. And that's going to be the end all. And they're going to have nothing to fall back on. They're going to be years behind in school if school is their thing. And then, you know, they have no career. They were working as a trainer or a front desk person at the gym just to have the free gym membership. And I think like, I don't know, I'm, I'm not old, but like for the younger kids now seeing it, it's like, it's really sad. It's really sad to see a lot of these kids just like drop out of college for no reason, just to pursue like this material fame. The, so a little bit more about the context was there was a specific individual. I honestly don't even know his name. Don't really know where he came from, but it was a screenshot that was sent to me. And it was just a picture of himself on his story, like very kind of like cliche bodybuilding, like hood, like on his sweater up in the gym and like very kind of common tripes that you see from, you know, I'm willing to to die for this. Like I'm willing to, I don't even know. I think he's like, I'm willing to go like suicidal for this or something like that. Um, you know, I've been hospitalized and I'll be hospitalized 10 more times if that's what it takes. Things along those lines. And I was like, oh, you know, he's, he's being dramatic and just, you know, playing into this. And then Dom was like, oh, no, 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 he's, he's a hundred percent serious. He's been to the hospital before like he has done these put himself in the hospital before and this is someone who came out of that situation and, and i guess is i guess is willing to go down that road again so jay and paul when you when you read stuff like this because it's not uncommon to see on instagram what are kind of some of the thoughts the viewpoints that you have when you read that stuff you want to start paul 
Oh, I guess I'll start. I don't know. I, I didn't realize that he had actually been to the hospital. I thought that was just some overhype, like, because I think a lot of us have been there when we're, like, younger and everything's new and we're excited about it. And, like, I don't know, hormones are high. We finish a crazy workout. We're still jacked up on stems. And you're like, I feel like a fucking monster. I need to go post on social media that I feel like a monster. You know what I mean? And you're just overly hype and young and stupid. Um but I don't know. I think most people just grow out of that stuff because I, I've seen it too with uh, clients or clients of friends, um, just pe or people that I know that eventually there's some burnout period because they've just that's what their days and life revolves around for like years. They wake up first thought in their head bodybuilding and it, all day long. They're thinking about their next workout. Every mirror they pass by, they're like, oh, front double, fucking most muscular. They're, they're like doing like posing practice, no show in sight, like post-workout. And they just burn themselves out thinking about bodybuilding. And then one day something hits them. They like real – something's gotten stale or they realize something's missing in their life. Like they haven't had a stable relationship or they haven't fucking – you know, I don't know, been close with their friends in a while or family or something bad happens. I don't know. And they just kind of like they, they just have this awakening. They're like, what is this all fucking for? And I think most people go through that and eventually sort of snap out of it a little bit. But there's like that depression area where they're just like, you know, I, I think it's just part of being young for most people. But I don't know. This story sounds a little extreme, like like it might need some uh, like professional attention. <laughs> Yeah, reach out to our friend Dylan Billyu at Stronger for You, something like that. Strong we'll put the link below. Yeah, Jay, there there is a life after bodybuilding, man. And this shit, I used to have somewhat uh, of a very little to do with competing, but I've always just wanted to be a bigger guy, and I thought that that's all I was going to care about, like especially in my early twenties for like ever. And now I'm like 32 now, which re relatively isn't that old, but it's starting to seem a little less important. The closer that I'm starting to realize this is the age that I'm approaching where things start to fall apart. People start to have health issues. You know, this is where like my dad started having certain issues and I'm like, oh, dying at 50 doesn't sound that cool now because 32 years hasn't felt like that long of a fucking time. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Father wisdom, hit us with it. I think there's a uh, there's a, a vast misunderstanding of success in bodybuilding. And I think that a lot of people are on the impression that if they succeed at bodybuilding, there's like something beyond that. Like you're going to transcend and that's going to move on to something else. And if you really think about it, there's really only been like one bodybuilder ever who's moved on from bodybuilding success, the biggest success, and then done something else. There's only one. And it's the one that everybody knows. It's the one that everybody, it's probably the bodybuilder. Right. And it's Ryan. So, <laughs> you, you. <laughs> so, but I mean, if you think about it, it's like Arnold, Arnold went on and did movies and then he did politics and now he's just Arnold. So if you think he's really the only one, it's like Ronnie Coleman, the greatest bodybuilder ever but if you listen to him talk ronnie if you're watching this i love you but a lot of people would get the impression that he's a typical bodybuilder and he's not very smart 
That's yeah, just I'm gonna the way need you it to, is. I'm going to need you to pull out some cardboard and write that in crayons and then hold it up for him. <laughs> like, Ronnie, hi, it's me, Jay. Yeah, like Dorian. Like, even Dorian Yates is just like, uh, I mean, he doesn't call it silly, but he definitely kind of looks back at those times and thinks that some of the things that he did may have been over the top. And he's been kind of quoted with, like, not necessarily talking down about bodybuilding, but definitely, like, he's moved on from that life, clearly. Um, So at the end of the day, I think there's this idea that if I become a great bodybuilder, I'm going to find some worth in that. And typically, you don't. I mean... uh, I've won shows and the next day I remember like winning my pro card and then going to work on Monday. And at the time I was running a restaurant, I remember like, everybody's like, Oh man, Hey, great job. Can you get me another beer? And I was like, Oh shit. Like nobody fucking cares about what I did. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, this, and I mean, I went through that same sort of stage where I was like, you know, I go to the gym in a hoodie, I get on the stair mill. I don't talk to anybody, you know, I'm carrying around my Tupperware because that's the thing that you need to do. But years later like paul was saying you just realize like hey maybe this isn't the most important thing at the end of the day uh no i agree like this is one thing that really fucking bothers me i don't know why i I just i i get annoyed so much about seeing this like because like they really have no clue what's gonna hit them in like two years (laughs) when like Mom and dad say, get the fuck out of the house and go, <laughs> and go live on your own and go do things. And it's just like, I know guys that would scrap up money to like pay for their coaching or like try to get groceries paid for by like sponsors because they didn't have enough money. Like just for what? <laughs> like a, a card, a piece of paper? That's the shit I don't get. It's like, this is sp- like... Why can't this just be a fun thing that takes up a few hours of your day? You know, like you don't got to wake up, think about it all day, revolve your life around it. It doesn't take that much. You you eat your fucking food, you get your sleep and you do your training. You know, there should still be like another at least six to eight hours a day to like think about and do other shit like. Even if you think about it, like I think the other day I was, you know, on social media scrolling and ESPN comes up and it's some guy playing disc golf with some ridiculous shot from, I don't even know anything about disc golf, but it looked like he threw it real far and it went into the weird basket thing. I don't know. And everybody went crazy and it was awesome. And it got like, I don't know, a hundred thousand likes, right? So in my head, I'm thinking, so this guy plays disc golf. I wonder if he walks around all day thinking about disc golf. He probably doesn't. He's probably got other shit going on. He probably goes to work. But this guy is on ESPN's Instagram page. 100,000 people liked it. When's the last time you went on ESPN's Instagram page and there's anything about bodybuilding at all? So in comparison, it's like, how serious do you have to think that disc golf fella took that? But yet he's getting more recognition than you probably ever will as a national level level or local level bodybuilder like it's just you got to take it all in the context at the end of the day it's you know how old is bodybuilding and it's still i mean it's like a niche is it niche or niche my wife tells me all the time i sound dumb when i say it's a niche it's niche okay right okay what does she know so it's 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 a niche sport at the end of the day (laughs) she does know everything um (laughs) 
<laughs> but it's a niche sport for a reason, and it's kind of remained that. And I, I don't know what people think is going to happen once they once they get away from bodybuilding. It's most people just don't really care that much about your placing at your local show. They don't give a fuck, dude. I my friends that are that aren't fitness related friends didn't even know I fucking competed when I competed. They saw me and said, how did your show do? How did you do at your show? And they follow me on social media. That's how much they don't pay attention. <laughs> you know, like most people, like I posted a couple contest photos on my Instagram uh, like a couple weeks ago. And I forgot I linked my Instagram to my Facebook. So it also ended up on my Facebook. And I was like, ah, fuck it. I'll leave it. But I was thinking about it. I'm like, all my normal ass fucking people that follow me that like I knew in high school are probably like, there's probably a percentage of them that are like, oh shit, dude, he's not like that fucking chubby, weird Asian kid from high school anymore. But like most people are probably making fun of me because I'm wearing a fucking thong and like have a fake tan on. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, God damn it. How'd this make it to Facebook? <laughs> and I Jay, do you think that, do you think that bodybuilding is more niche today than it was, you know? In, in the, the Arnold era or in, you know, the Dorian era, do you think that more people know about bodybuilding now than they did back then? Like, I'm inclined to say yes, but I'm interested to hear your guys' input there. Yeah, I think more people probably know about it. Um, and I even venture to say that more people probably take it a little bit more seriously than back then. I think even like back in those days, it was kind of like a circus act. Like it was like, you know, these are these weird guys, right? Yeah. You're like, there was that guy over there in the corner in the gym and you were like, that guy's a bodybuilder. Like he's weird. Like we don't, we don't talk to that guy because he just does really weird stuff. It was like this very, very, it was like a, it was a sport that inherently you did it for yourself because you were doing it in spite of the fact that you knew you were going to be an outcast. Whereas now you can get that kind of feed forward, like myopic view of life from social media where you can like post it and have people kind of like feed into your short sightedness. Like, Oh bro, like you killed it at that local show. You're going to crush that nationals. You're going to get your pro card. You're going to, you're going to be such a good pro one of these days. And it like feeds that neuroticism of like, all right, let's keep going. All right, let me, let me uh, sell my dog so I can, you know, register for this next show or let me, you know, break up with my girlfriend because she's taking up way too much of my time, way too much of my money so I can buy more drugs for this next show. It's like it, it really feeds it forward. I wonder if it's I mean, I wonder if it's shifted as much as I see that it has. You know, uh, one of the probably one of the most popular bodybuilding guys, Jordan Peters, stopped using PEDs. He, he had this huge, like, enlightenment to just stop chasing being huge. And he was the guy, like, the super hardcore, new era Dorian, like, everyone knew that about him. And he was super knowledgeable, too. But, like, he even came to the conclusion, like, I'm going to die if I don't stop doing this. And now he, like, lost 60 pounds, like, is training, for, like, high intensity twice a week to get his cardio back up, like, and like for, for that guy to do that, like a lot of people should probably be like looking in the mirror, like, you know what, maybe this isn't the best idea. But I think a lot of people get like him and they get, 
themselves in the mindset of that like sunken cost fallacy where they say like i've sunk so much of my time so much of my effort so much of my finances into this one endeavor that i'm in too deep to transition now i'm in too deep to switch over to being the crossfit guy or the powerlifting guy or the like promotion of health and wellness guy like i'm only ever going to be the bodybuilding guy which is a hilarious thing to think about because of how much life the conversation that we're having here in general how much life there is outside of bodybuilding being a bodybuilding coach opens you to two percent of the world population as your clientele being a bodybuilding coach who also understands how to program for crossfit who understands powerlifting who understands working with general fitness clientele like if your goal is to generate as many clients and as much revenue as possible for yourself as a coach, like that's the only way to go about it. And that's why I've always had like so much respect for, for folks like Dom, for folks like Jay, for folks like Paul that work with the spectrum of athletes. They're not bodybuilding coaches. They are just coaches. So a little praise for you guys there. Thank you. Dom, Thank I think you. we've had that conversation a couple of times. I wish yeah. I could say something nice about you, but I just blank right now, dude. Yeah. So blank. Maybe say something mean and I'll, you know, I'll just accept the fact that you're talking about me and that's more than enough for me. <laughs> I think the biggest takeaway though is you're one injury away from all of it ending. Not like, only that. That oh, was dark. <laughs> like, no, I mean, it, it really is though. Imagine how bad an injury can be that it just, you're out for six, seven months, you need surgery, then you're out for another four months. You're, you're looking at a year at that point. And then it's like, well, where do you even go? One, you need surgery. And two, you're a bodybuilder. So you for sure don't have health insurance. So <laughs> not only is your bodybuilding on the back burner for eight months, now you're 70 grand in the red. And dude, I know so many guys can only take you so far. I know so many guys, oh, don't even get me started on that shit. <laughs> uh, I know so many guys that have like torn labrums and like uh, rotator cuff pieces that are just completely torn and they won't get it done because they won't pay for it. They don't want to pay for it. Well, they don't want to pay for it, but they can't pay for it. That's what I should have said. That's reality. No, let me, let me get you started on that. So when we saw it with, I think his name is Ryan Crowley. The guy who tore his chest. It was the video that went super viral. Like Larry Wheels was spotting him on like a 495 incline, tore his chest, started a GoFundMe. I think the GoFundMe had like some absurd amount of money, like a quarter million dollars in like a week. And he just dropped that, you know, had the surgery. And what's he back to doing now? Crazy shit in the gym with Larry Wheels. So <laughs> Dom, let it let it roll. What's what is your your view on, on the on those kind of situations? Uh, you see it all the time. They need to really fix their website because there's some ridiculous GoFundMe's for people. I've seen people put up like, please finance my national show. Uh, yep. Like, please help me with purchasing my supplements. Uh, like, I've seen, it's crazy that GoFundMe's I've seen for bodybuilders. Or like, uh, or like I, I, I have three kids and uh, my husband left me. I'm starting my GoFundMe to help me go to my first national show. Like, why are you even doing a national show? <laughs> yeah. So how does GoFundMe even work? Do they take a percentage of all the... They take a little bit. Okay. If yeah. you pay like a card, you can leave like a, like a percent tip that goes to GoFundMe. 
Kyle. I think um, in addition to being one injury away, like uh, people need to realize that bodybuilding is a young man's sport. So you're putting a lot of time and investment. And How neglecting. dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Enhanced bodybuilding is a young man's sport. Um, like uh, you're, you're investing so much time and neglecting other areas of your life, time, money, all that um, for something that like, it, it has a, a very early expiration date, you know, like uh, you're, you're not going to be pounding these supplements when you're like 40 years old, still chasing a pro card, you know? Yeah. Don't hold your breath. <laughs> <laughs> well, and especially there. the habits and the way things people do now, you know, I think we're seeing like bodybuilders are, are dying at a younger age and stuff. So especially, and, yeah. and also like a very few like a lot of people who are chasing it, like only uh, the smallest percent of people even have the genetics to fucking make it, you know? Like, yeah, that's where I was I mean, gonna. That's where I was gonna step in there. And and Derek, good old Derek, at more plates, more blade, more dates, blades. What's that? More plates, more dates. Derek uh, had a video about Nick Walker about being like a hyper responder to you know the supplements that go with bodybuilding. It's like. Here's a guy that like you give him the same amount as average gym bro. And, you know, he adds 20 pounds of muscle every single year, seemingly year after year. And when other people don't get that response because they are not in that genetic 3% that stand those two standard deviations removed from the mean, they don't get that response. Like their natural inclination because bodybuilding is who they are. It is their life. They're like, okay, I'll take more. And with more comes more side effects. And it becomes more and more of like what Paul said of like a ticking time bomb to where like yeah. how many how many times can you just say, all right, I'll just do more. All right, I'll just do more before more becomes too much. And it's tragic, like Paul said, because bodybuilders are dying younger and younger in larger numbers. You see these stories all the time, whether it's from the mental health side of things of combining these drugs with the expectations of being a top level bodybuilder, or it's just the side effects that come with taking way too much of them. So it really just kind of like feeds forward and is, is, is quite a negative situation there. Yeah. I got some good feedback from my story yesterday about doing your blood work, like, um, at the, at like right when prep finishes or in the middle of prep or in the middle of being super physiological. Um, because everyone's like, Oh, my blood work was fine. And then I'm like, well, it was eight weeks after. Like, I would hope it was fine. Like, if it wasn't fine, something would need to be done. Like, uh, just to see how the how that body responds to being super physiological. Like, all you're doing is speeding up, like, arterious. Uh, like, you're, you're speeding up so many, like, bad things during that moment of time, like Dante Trudell always talks about that. Like when you're in the middle of being super physiological, everything else is super physiological. So how do you minimize that to reduce your risk of, you know, these side effects and stuff? And uh, it's not milk thistle. <laughs> I, I refuse to believe it. I think part of my problem with the like, oh, everything was fine eight weeks later and that's all the information you have and then just going forward from there and being like oh i'm ready for my next course is like how long was everything fine you know 
and like some people like a lot of people see fine blood work um and they're just like i'm ready right and i think at, at the very least every so often I, th I think people should be like oh everything's fine now but let's make sure it's fine for a while let me take an extra couple months you know yeah and then yeah. Dude, there's so many people that don't even get blood work because they're nervous to see what their blood work looks like so they just kind of brush it off and don't even yeah. think about it. and they say yeah, they're you. like okay i did 10 weeks i'll take 10 weeks then i'll do another 10 weeks but in that 30 weeks they never once got anything checked it's like yeah. the, you know it's like the i can't have chlamydia if i don't get tested for chlamydia <laughs> argument yeah, yeah dude i, I had uh, a couple chlamydia? years ago an opportunity to work uh, <laughs> maybe no uh a couple <laughs> years ago an opportunity to work with a client and i was like uh, okay like we can work together i'd like you to get blood work first and he wouldn't do it and then eventually somebody else picked him up and I don't know when or if they got their blood work, but then like another year later, I hear the guy has some serious problems and I'm like, you can't go years without getting blood work. You know, even even for um, non-enhanced people, it's pro it, it's a good idea to get blood work every couple months, man. You know, especially as you're getting older, and you're not like 22 anymore. Dude, I look at that Nick Walker fella and he's like a giant human being. You know, and he might be getting away with lower dosages than most people, and he has a full head of hair because that's usually how I'm like, okay, still has a full head of hair. He must be okay from at least that end. But then you also, how big is that guy? What is he like, two seventy five or something like that? Yeah, at like a nice five seven. I think so, I mean, in his off peak off season, I, I'm pretty sure he's near or over three hundred pounds. It could be oh, wrong. So I mean. At the end of the day, the one and most important organ that doesn't really give a shit if you're carrying more muscle or body fat is your heart. So that's 300 pounds on your heart, regardless of what, I don't is tissue the wrong, I don't want to use the word tissue, but whatever it's got to pump blood to, it, it, it doesn't matter. That's still 300 pounds of tissue that it's got to push blood through. So it doesn't that matter whether or not it's muscle or body fat. It just... It, I don't think most people realize that. Like, it's still 300 pounds. You're still carrying around 300 pounds. That's one argument from, like, Broderick Chavez um, is that the at, at a certain point, the sheer size and mass and body weight is harder on your body than the actual compounds. Whether or not that's true, I, I'm not sure, you know. But, I mean, we do know that, like, and he'll say this too, within the same species, bigger things die sooner like you know yeah yeah that's true. very true <laughs> yeah. yeah i think yeah you you can see that in like dogs um no i think jay you make a good point because if we hearken back to the death of dallas mccarver on his autopsy his heart weight was something like insane i think it was like 800 or 850 grams was what his heart weighed i think on that it was final autopsy. Like I want to say it was like two and a half or somewhere near three times the size of like. Yeah. So the average human heart is 300 to 500 grams, depending on the individual. So like so his his weighed his weighed 833 grams. OK. A normal heart weighs about 300 grams. But, you know, yeah. what's crazy, too, is it wasn't just his heart. I'm pretty sure every other vital organ that they weighed was larger than it should have been by by a huge margin. His kidneys, yeah. his liver, his lungs even, I believe. His liver was really big too. Uh that hang on. 
I'll find it. Is Thyroid outwardly, outwardly, just looking at Dallas, you might, using Dom's word here, think he's fine. Like he looks fine. He doesn't have any of the like side effects that really worry you, like the really bad varicose veins, you know, any of the flushing, that red colored skin. Jay is standard. I think he still had hair. We also didn't <laughs> didn't see him in his day-to-day life, right? Exactly. And I think yeah. people were concerned about him because I, I want to say at some shows prior to that, uh, people had seen that he had like labored breathing or almost passed out or something like that, or maybe did pass out on stage. I can't remember. I think he passed yeah, he out did. in Arnold. Yeah, when I missed the overall at the Florida State, um, the guy that beat me, he was a super heavyweight, and I've never been so concerned for someone backstage in my life. Like, this man was, he would go out and pose, and he only did one round of posing for the super heavyweights because he was the only one out there. He came back, and this man was like, he sounded like a seagull. He was sucking wind so hard. He sounded like a seagull. He had both of his coaches with like large towels, like fanning him off as he like hand in like head in his hands, tried to catch his breath. I was like this at the time. I didn't really know much about bodybuilding, but I was like, this seems very bad. And that was another guy. The next year he was done with bodybuilding. He's like, you know what? I'm done. I'm not going to do this anymore. Good move. So, like, yeah, uh, any points to wrap up this conversation here? You know, Dom made some really good points. Work on your career. Work on, you know, finding a significant other that will actually take care of you and steer you to make correct decisions. Get your finances right. Uh, move out of your parents' house, please. And then what else do you want to add, Dom, before someone can really kind of dive in on bodybuilding? Um, I don't know it. It, it ain't that serious like like and that's coming from me like i coach a lot of national athletes and like we talk about this stuff like i always tell them like yes we want to turn pro like that's our goal but like if i think that goal to get there is going to cost you like some really stupid decisions like i'm going to not let you do that and that's what in my opinion a good coach would do like if they can't if they're struggling to make payments bills all that like hey dude it's fine like there's always another show you can work and save up and do whatever you have to do or you know if they're just not mentally in the right spot if they're ruining relationships if you know things like that like you can always pull back you know like i've pulled people from shows this year already just on that note just because like they had so much going on but they had to prep had to prep had to prep now like, dude, we're not going to get anywhere. Like, just stop. Focus on your family. Focus on your job. Like, whatever it was for the person, and just take a step back because I, I don't. Just because like this could be over instantly. Just ain't worth it. That's kind of a that's kind of a dreary note to end on. So, Paul, where's Pancake? Is Pancake nearby? She's not. She's, is she feeling she's better? Taking a nap. She is feeling better. There we go. I, There's a positive no. Pancake is feeling better. Happier. I think you'll be a lot happier if you bodybuild while having your finances, career, relationships, all that set, because you'll actually enjoy the process of bodybuilding. You won't have outside stressors stressing you out. Yeah. For sure. Ronnie Coleman, the greatest bodybuilder to ever exist, was also a cop. 
all the way through. Won the Olympia. And they said, hey, man, you don't have to come to work anymore. You're famous. You're a famous bodybuilder. You're rich. And he came back to work anyway. Why did he come back to work anyway? Because he enjoyed it. He had other things in his life that he enjoyed. So find some other hobbies in life. Get a fucking hobby. For the love of God, bodybuilding is a hobby. It's not your life. Find some other hobbies there as well. Make some model cars. Um, burn ants with magnifying glasses. Dude, whatever you're collect, in. Whatever kind of weird stuff. Pops, collect like, little Funko Pops. Hey, little known fact, if you cut open the head of your Funko Pops inside, you will not find brains or candy. You'll find nothing. True story, Jimmy tried to tell Dom to cut open the heads of his Funko Pops, and there would be little toys and fun stuff. Oh, wow. That's a good-looking one right there. All right, Jay, Paul, anything you want to leave the people with on our first episode of GNN with Wolf Squat Dad Blitzer? Like on that last topic or just in general? Or in life, life, not that topic, just in life. Life? I don't know. I don't know, man. <sighs> Gotta leave him with something. That's life. That's life. Yeah, that's, that's life right there. A big that's sigh. Everything. everything I do, it's just a big sigh. And that is like, <laughs> you're fucking, you just gotta, you're stuck, man. This is it, dude. That's as much wisdom as you'll ever need right there. All right, folks, tune in to the next one. We will continue. If you got ideas for topics that you want us to break down, you want to hear our opinion on them, as always, you know where to find us on Instagram at Gifted Performance. Their tags will be down below. We will see you on the next one. Until then, stay informed, stay opinionated, and stay gifted. Peace. Bye.